Hey friends, do I have a great show for you today? I know I say that every time, but uh, I really mean it. It's just absolutely amazing. And I've got a twofer, two for the price of one. I got two great guests on the show today. Uh, gonna be so cool. Um, and I, I'm just gonna get right into it. I'll introduce the guests in a minute. We're gonna talk about some stuff Sinai related and some of the construction that's going on over there. The Saudis, they got this big mega city plan, Neom. And uh, man, we just wonder what all that's gonna do to uh, some of these holy sites. So uh, here we go. All right, friends. Well, I hope you enjoy my music as much as I do. It's just, uh, it's just absolutely fantastic, I think. A lot of times I have a guest in the studio sitting here, and uh, like I do today, and uh, I see air guitar uh, going on, and uh, nothing, nothing makes me happier than that. Nothing makes me happier than a good air guitar. But uh, that's not what I came to talk to you about today. Today I came to talk to you uh, about some stuff that's going on over there in the Middle East. And uh, before I do that, I want to tell you all about Gospel Ministries. Gospel Ministries uh, is uh, my own ministry that uh, I founded and, and work for, and we seek to proclaim the gospel, the good news to the world. Uh, while we're doing that, we talk about in interesting topics, we meet interesting people, and often we have them on here at the show. Um, we do also financially support missionaries who are uh, doing church planting and uh, doing evangelism in Central America, Africa, and India. In addition, we give Bibles to new believers. We purchase them ourselves, and we support churches financially who do the same. So uh, I want to encourage you to partner with Gospel Ministries. Uh, if you want to do that for a dollar amount of any kind this month, during the month of December, you will get this special rock from the top, the summit, the pinnacle of Mount Sinai, where I personally climbed and collected. So this is not just like a little gimmick. This isn't a little thing. I wanted you to be able to share in the stuff that I do. And so I thought this was a fun way to encourage you to give. For a gift of any amount, I will send this to you, uh, along with a little uh, jar of sand. Now, this jar contains sand from both sides of the site of the Red Sea crossing, Nueva, Egypt, and from the uh, adjacent beach in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so you get all of that in this nice little gift pouch. And again, that is for a right there. See, fits in there nice and nice and cute uh, for a dollar amount of any kind. You just go to PastorAJ.com, click partner with Pastor AJ, and uh, it's all tax deductible and official and stuff like that. You'll get a follow-up email thanking you for what you do. And speaking of which, one of our partners is actually with us in studio today, the one and only Nathan Bibb. Nathan, we are so excited to have you here today, man. You want to wave at, uh, wave at the crowd? Happy to be here, guys. And yeah, thank you, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, man. <laughs> Yeah, we, we appreciate you, brother. Appreciate everything you do for gospel ministry. Tell, tell everybody about your uh, what you do. You want to give a little plug for your, your business, man? Sure. Uh, our company, uh, we're just a small little family-owned real estate investment company uh, in the middle of Poland, Ohio. Yeah. It's called Hometown Fixer Upper. We just buy and sell houses. We flipped maybe 50 houses last year. You flipped 50 houses? Yeah. Uh, just you know. what, what does that mean? You get underneath them and flip them over or what? Uh, you know, we buy them, we fix them up, we make them pretty, and we sell them to somebody else. Nice. Nice. So that's the long and short of it, but yeah. it's just just a small little fun Sweet, company. Man. That's it. Hometown fixer upper, uh, <laughs> hometown fixer upper, and also a partner partner 
of Gospel Ministries. Uh, we also have with us today, Logan, I'm going to completely butcher your last name, and I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, apologize, but uh, this is Logan. You say your last name, because I don't want to be embarrassed, my friend. No worries, brother. My name is Logan Keysweater. 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 Yep. Right. Thank you so much for having me. No problem, man. Thank you for being on the show here. You can't hear it, but we just gave you some applause. <laughs> from the uh, the studio audience that we don't have, but uh, we just like to make people feel good. You know, that's what this show is all about. So appreciate you coming on, man. Um, yeah. So uh, Logan, you know, we're here to, today to talk, you know, Saudi Arabia, some of the construction that's going on there. Um, I saw it firsthand. I was just over there uh, about a month and a half ago and, and driving through it and seeing how they're paving roads going all the way to the split rock and and Sinai and some of these different locations and the altar of the golden calf and wonder what that's going to do. But, uh, you also have a cool story and we got to know each other through, uh, Ryan, is it Morrow or Morrow? How do you say his last name? Uh, I feel R- like I've said Ryan it wrong. Morrow. Yeah, that's, that's how I've always said it, but I've heard other people say Morrow. And so I was like, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, we had Ryan on the show and you were kind of like his agent or something, you know, he was, you were helping him. And, uh, that was kind of how I met you, man. But we talked on the phone. I thought you seemed like a really cool guy. And uh, I thought, man, I've got to have this Logan dude on the show. I got to hear his story. And you're, you're working now currently with, uh, with Tim Mahoney, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm one of the editors recently, very recently towards the end of July. Um, Tim was kind enough to bring me on the patterns of evidence team. So I'm now working on uh, his staff as one of his editors. And prior to that though, I was working for and with Ryan Morrow and was one of these people that Tim has dubbed in his films, the Exodus Explorers, these independent researchers that are. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, saw, I was watching website. the new. Uh, I was watching the new documentary, Tim's new documentary, which we'll show a video for here in a minute. But uh, um, yeah, I saw. It, boom! There's there's Ryan on my TV screen. You know, because I was actually in Sinai when he was uh, his his documentary was appearing was uh, premiering in theaters, and I on October you know seventeenth or whatever it was, and I was actually. Uh, was climbing Sinai that day. So speaking of which, when I was climbing Sinai, I just thought this was interesting. I'm actually showing the, uh, the audience here a, a picture of us climbing Sinai and some of the people that we met up at the top. You can't often say that you met people at the top, at the, at the pinnacle, at the summit of Sinai. Um, you can see my, my son Jake there kind of in the middle sitting down with the cowboy hat on. But uh, it's actually Ryan's group. We, we met, we got up to the top to, to the peak of Sinai and there was like, there were some people up there and we're like, holy crap. What? <laughs> and uh, so Ryan's group got up there first. Um, they also went, they journeyed from there to Elijah's cave, uh, which is quite a hike. I mean, we just went from there down, which was quite a hike, ran out of water on the way down, but we made some new friends at the, at the top of Sinai. And I, I got to meet Ryan in person for the first time when I came down. And then my son was like, you know, bargaining, you know, for some food from his tent. And I looked over, <laughs> I saw Ryan and some, uh, somebody else there on the tour, walking him around, giving him some food, feeding him. And I thought, man, I'm such a terrible parent. I didn't, you know, I didn't <laughs> feed my kid. So horrible. But uh, yeah, so it was, it was just really cool all in all. I mean, uh, you know, to get to meet him, to meet some new people up at the, up at the summit there. And great to meet you, my friend. Um, yeah. yeah, you're, you're a super, super cool dude. And just, kind of knowing uh, you and, and what your passion is and, and you've got a little bit of a connection over there with, in the Middle East as well. 
Um, I think our audience is just really interested in this topic. I know I am. I've been just engrossed in it. I'm in Nathan's office the other day talking to him, and uh, all of a sudden it's like you know he's telling me about about Neom, and he's like, "Have you ever seen Neom?" And I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "How do you know about it?" Well, he's because he's into real estate. Uh, he pulled this video up right away, and he's showing me all this you know this stuff that they're planning on doing. It's it's incredible. You know, it's amazing. But uh, you know, getting I guess getting back to uh, uh, kind of reeling things in a little bit here. Um, wanted to hear just a little bit about you, about your testimony, about your story, um, who you are. I know that you're working for uh, for Tim now and helping him out. And so I thought I'd uh, kind of give our people a little snapshot here of his new documentary, which is Journey to Mount Sinai. And uh, his... his um, his videos have actually made, I would say, a huge impact in my own life, you know, watching them. Um, the, the first one that he came out with a few years ago called uh, Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, um, that kind of hooked me in. And then I, everyone after that I've gone to see in the movie theater. Um, and so, you know, he's just, I think, I feel like he's really, um, I, I think, think he's impacted a lot of people, probably more than he realizes with the work that he's doing. Um you know, it's really cool. It's neat to see you working with him. And so uh, here's that, here's the trailer for his, uh, for his movie that's out. It is, it's actually been uh, already played in the movie theater. You can't see it in the movies now. Uh, you may see the date on there, October 17th or whatnot, but you can rent it digitally. What is the name of the website, Logan? Is it PatternsofEvidence.com? Yeah. If you go to PatternsofEvidence.com, there will be a little film tab and you can see all the different films, Journey to Mount Sinai included. Okay. And so you can, yeah, you can get it on DVD, Blu-ray or digital now. Okay, cool. Well, check it out. Here we go. For the last 50 years, Exodus explorers have been searching for the true location of Mount Sinai. The Bible tells us that Moses and the Israelites were led there by a pillar of fire and cloud. I'm Timothy Mahoney, an investigative filmmaker. And I'm looking for a pattern of evidence matching one of the most important events recorded in the Bible. The mountainous location where God came down to meet Moses and the Israelites. Exodus explorers are now claiming they found physical evidence for this biblical event. But there is a controversy because this evidence is not where tradition places the mountain. How will we know which is the true location? It was recorded that after the Israelites crossed the sea, they camped numerous times on their way to Mount Sinai. Now for the first time, Patterns of Evidence will investigate the journey of Moses and the Israelites. What route did they take and what evidence still remains today? Join me on this amazing and inspiring investigation. Patterns of Evidence, Journey to Mount Sinai. All right. Super cool. Super cool. Um, and uh, I did just watch that just a couple of days ago. I watched it, uh, rented it digitally, watched it uh, in my living room. But um, man, I, I'll tell you what, it's really understated, I think, what he's doing in these films. I, I feel like I went to seminary, so I have a doctoral degree. I went through all the, 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 the process that you're supposed to go through. And I went to a conservative seminary because it was conservative. I went there. I wanted to learn from people who believed in a literal Bible. 
Uh, but at a conservative seminary, I heard it said that there's not a lot of evidence for the Exodus, and they don't really know where some of these locations are. And at the time, now this is over 15 years ago now, I didn't have anything to uh, combat that statement with uh, until I really started watching Tim's. I, I became aware of Ron Wyatt's, just, you know, not, not his discoveries, but some of these, these locations that he sort of popularized and helped to bring into the public focus a little bit. Uh, Noah's Ark, Mount Sinai, um, you know, the, the Split Rock, the Red Sea Crossing, some of these, this different stuff like that, Sodom and Gomorrah thing as well uh, in Israel. Uh, but in, 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 Tim also addresses this in uh, his second movie. He addresses this idea that uh, these things weren't even written down, uh, that, that they couldn't have been written down, that they couldn't have been given to an audience because there wasn't a literate audience uh, at that time. So he completely debunks that and shows, no, that's not true. He shows how uh, potentially somebody maybe like Joseph or, or somebody took and developed what we call Hebrew today from Egyptian hieroglyphs. And then the Phoenicians got the alphabet from them and the Greeks got it from the Phoenicians. And, and that actually is how we got our alphabet. So speaking from like the point of view of somebody who is classically trained uh, in, a, in an academic setting, these these uh, these movies have made a significant impact on me. I mean, what's it like for you working with Tim, and and what are your thoughts and your feelings on some of this stuff? Yeah, well, for me, it's it's a huge gift from God, and it's a dream come true because the Patterns of Evidence film series. D- to give just a little bit of a brief background, I grew up Christian. And I had that foundation. But when I got into high school and I got into college and a little bit after college, I strayed really far from the faith. Um, and after college, the reason I have this tattoo on my neck is I played in a punk rock band for three uh, years. I was hoping you were going to explain where the tattoo came from, because I think we were yeah. all wondering. We all saw it. <laughs> yep. I was a, you wouldn't have recognized me as punk rock drummer. I had a mohawk, lip ring, nose ring, gauges. You wouldn't have Jeez, recognized me oh, at all. And I don't have a single tattoo, tattoo man. Yeah, no, I, I have I, a BC story, and I was in jail. Oh yeah, yeah, but it, I mean, probably not as good as yours. So continue. No, no, no. So just it's just like I have. It was just kind of wild. And when I was, you know, in the band, I was living a very worldly lifestyle and really bad lifestyle, and hit rock bottom. And when I was going through that time where I was hitting that rock bottom phase, I felt this pull to come back to faith because I had that foundation. Yeah. But I tried to away and ignore it and then eventually it reached a point where i i couldn't ignore it any longer and i had to to in order to like save myself from the mess i was in i had to seek god again and in doing that i didn't just want to believe that god was real i wanted to know he was there so to make a a long story short that started a huge process of research that i believe god guided all the way and it was research into creation science evidence that confirms genesis and then that led into this whole topic of history and archaeology that shows that the Bible is historically accurate. And when you start looking into that, you come into this whole debate of the Exodus. What time period did the Exodus happen in, and where are the locations of the Red Sea crossing in Mount Sinai? Yeah. And that's how I got exposed to all this material, got connected with Ryan, and working through Ryan and working with Ryan, that led to a connection with Tim, where I'm now working for Tim. And so it's just a huge gift from God. And the Patterns of Evidence series was a huge part, was was really central to bringing me back to faith. It was a huge step I, in that. I was just going to ask you that, yeah. Yeah. So that that's cool that that had like a, a really deep impact on you. I mean, you know, I, again, it's one thing to say, 
okay, we just accept these stories by faith. And, and yes, like we should. I, th- I think that should be our foundation is faith. But, but faith isn't always blind faith. And I, I think that's sort of a misconception that people have about Christianity, that it's, that it's blind faith, that we're just accepting things, um, you know, a contrary to the, quote, science, or contrary to, I use science in air quotes, because I think often what, what we hear and see today isn't actual science. It, it, it's based on faith when you dig, dig deep into it. But, uh, but like, but, but I think faith isn't just blind faith. Faith is, it's okay to have questions. And I think, like, as we're trying to articulate Jesus to people and show Jesus to people, we have to be able to answer their questions. I mean, it's not good enough to say, well, there's all these Bible stories and we don't have any evidence for them at all, right? But what, what Tim's showing in his documentaries, you're working with him now, and this obviously made a big impact on you. Um, a good friend of ours, Ohav, was on the, on the program here last week. And he's talking about how he asked God for some evidence and God gave it to him. And he's talking about all this stuff. Like this made a big impact on him. It made a big impact on you. Like how important is this uh, for people? What role does this play in the faith process? I I think it's, uh, to me, I think it's critical because especially you're going to have your kids when they grow up in high school and especially when they get into college or go to a university, more than likely you're going to come across professors who, whether you're in a biology class or an ancient history class, who are going to attack your faith. And sometimes I think some of them deliberately, they're going to try to attack your faith. And like, we have to equip the next generation with answers to these questions. And we should equip the church with this too. These are tools that we can use to strengthen the faith of believers and to get people who are unbelievers who might need that evidence to start thinking and looking into it and seeing that the Bible is founded in true history. Yeah. So I think it's Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis. I think he says something to the effect or has some, said something to the effect that if the Bible is true, there should be evidence that these things happened. And I, I mean, when I started studying this and looking into this, and this is no exaggeration, I started finding in literally every realm of science you look into, there is evidence that confirms the Bible and shows that God is real, that there is a creator, and shows that the history in the Bible is is solid. It's all there from A to Z. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think it's super, super important, especially for the world we live in that's yeah. very secular. Amen, yeah. Uh, Nathan, what is your uh, general thought on on some of this stuff as you hear it for the first time? I mean, do you, do you have like a just like a general feeling? What what is your thoughts? I mean, you might be hitting you for the first time. The, this evidence for the Bible. This is very much new to me, and you guys exposed me to this, and it just kind of like cross referenced something that I was looking into on the real estate side. Okay, right, right, so right. Like yeah, I, I had yeah. never thought about the uh, you know the actuality or the location, or I love Google Maps, and I've never looked at all those places <laughs> that they showed me. And then I started just lining them up with a lot of stuff I was already looking into anyway. Yeah, so this, yeah. this is all very new to me. Um, yeah, that's yeah, super new. cool though. I think, I, and you know, like that was uh, Logan. One of the reasons I wanted to take my son to Sinai was because I wanted him to see it in person. You know, I wanted him to be impacted by it, but. Uh, you know, I, I would love for more people to, I, I guess, just get acquainted with some of these things. So, uh, yeah. So, I, Logan, I mean, you know, back to you kind of having your journey to faith, like, and, you know, now you're doing this, like, what kind of things are you thinking of moving into in the future? What are you looking forward to? How are you working with uh, Tim? And I guess, like, uh, he, he's planning a part two, uh to this journey to Sinai. It's the first part covered like a couple of potential mountains, potential Sinai's. <laughs> and then, uh, 
you know, the next one he's coming out with and what's, what's some of your role in this? What are you looking forward to doing in the future? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm looking very forward to everything that's coming up. So journey to Mount Sinai two is currently being edited right now. So we're, we are working on it. Um, and the goal is to have it out in as early as possible in 2023. I don't want to give any exact dates cause I, okay. I don't think I probably should. We want to know. Um, we want to know. <laughs> I think I, I think I can say this. I think the goal is April of 2023. Whether okay. that's going to be the actual, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. But and I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak for Tim on this. But I, I know one of the and because this is something that the team is praying on and, and seeking the Lord on. But I think the goal, the plan is to is to likely move beyond Sinai after that. Yeah. Because there's so much evidence beyond Sinai. I mean, we're talking the conquest, the judges, yeah. the kings of Israel. Yeah. I mean, so there's there's much more to discuss. Yeah, I'm, so I think I'm excited to see. Uh, well, you know what? It's it's almost like he's sort of moving from uh, started off in Egypt, and then the development of the language, and then the Red Sea crossing, and then Sinai itself, and now moving. He's he's tracing the path of the Israelites, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, super cool, man. Well, we're looking forward to seeing uh, you know all that he comes out with, and all that you do, and uh, you know how you're how you're involved in that as well. So. Uh, that kind of brings me to the, I guess the, uh, the thrust of at least what um, has been on my mind since I went there, and that is a lot of the construction that you see happening. Uh, we went to what what is basically an untouched area, and um, when we were over there, we went with Andrew Jones's group, and thank you, Andrew, for just showing us a great time and being super cool. Uh, it was like going on a trip with a youth pastor, I keep telling him. It was fun. And I brought my teenager with me, so it really had that kind of vibe. But uh, I liked Sinai so much better than Israel when I finally got to Israel. Um, being on the Sea of Galilee impacted me because I thought I'm on, the, I'm on the sea that Jesus was on. But when I was, when I was in, uh, for the most part, Jerusalem, it felt very commercial. There was really nowhere that I went in Jerusalem where I felt, oh, this is authentic 2,000-year-old uh, territory, you know, or, or so on. I mean, it's, it's been built over how many times, conquered and reconquered. Um, but in Sinai, when you go to the site of the Red Sea crossing, when you go to the Split Rock, it feels like you're taking a step back in time, three and a half thousand years to the time of the Exodus. It feels very untouched. Um Yet when we were going there, and, and that's all part of the experience. That's part of what makes it so magical. When we were going there, there was a lot of construction going on. I mean, a lot of construction. And uh, what is, for those who are in our viewing audience, they were paving roads to the Split Rock. They were paving roads to Sinai. Um, there's one that already goes right by where the altar of the golden calf is. You know, like, how might this impact... Uh, what they're doing, and, and it's all part of two. Maybe comment a little bit on two, Nathan, if, if you want to as well. It, it, like, basically, the Saudis are building a mega city in this corner. Uh, in this corner, and so I, you know, I, I guess maybe Logan, you could comment on um, how, how does how might this impact these sites? And then you know, Nathan, I know you've been you've been looking at uh, at at this Neon project and uh, and all that stuff. You know, um, you can tell us a little bit about Neon and I guess what they're trying. To do all right. So through my research today, what I found out was I, mean, I already I already had like you know the 
the very high level tip of the iceberg overview of what this was, right? Yeah. And that's what I showed you. But then when I started looking deeper deeper into it, I realized it's the entire region that you're talking about. Yeah. So, so Neom is the region which is actually encompassing like several different developments. We have the line, which is the one that I told you about. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also a, um, a mountain resort, which the line where I showed you, which is like just on the northern, the northeastern. Let's see, where was the line? It was the, uh, I think the southeast of the Red Sea at like at the Strait of Tehran, I think it was called. Okay. And then where you showed me the Mount Sinai site that you went to, north of that, is the mountain resort they're trying to make. Okay. And so then you go a little bit further down around the actual Red Sea and get out of the, uh, whatever that, that bay of whatever is. Called the Gulf of Aqaba, you mean there? Yes, the Gulf okay. of Aqaba, yeah. And you go a little bit further around the Red Sea, then they have this uh, this other city called Ox- Oxagon, and it's actually like, it's it's an octagon city. Wow. That is half, in. it's going to be half a floating city okay. and half on land, and it's going to be this like crazy futuristic shipping port. Holy uh, cow. Like it's, it, it reminds me of like an Amazon facility. Like, you know how they have all the robotics and crazy things going on, but it's going to be run by like AI. And uh, the dream of this thing is enormous, but the whole point yeah. of it is, is the region. It goes from north of Mount Sinai where you showed me. Yeah, yeah. All the way, like way south. So, I mean, any historical stuff that's in there, and you said that you saw the roads being built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there. video of it. Yeah, They're right now. They're already building an airport. They've already broke ground on the line. Um, but it's whatever's going on will affect that entire yeah. region like probably a thousand square miles. Yeah. If you are watching the program, you just saw a video uh, of that was actually shot while I was there. Andrew shot some of that uh, uh, and uh, Andrew and Lucas of, of the roads that are being paved and we're driving through construction areas in the wilderness, like on there's our way no, to, there's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, it's just the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Which... And now you, you can see a video of like, I guess what they're planning. I think this is the official neon video. This yes. is what you showed me in your office the other day. They're planning like this lined wall city uh, you know, and, and some of this goes directly through Sinai. Am I correct in saying that, Logan? Yeah, I believe that there, especially what Nathan's talking about here, the Trojena, which is the mountain resort that's being built, if I'm not mistaken, I believe part of Trojena is actually going to be on the Jebel El Laws range. Okay. Jebel, Jebel Makla is the peak that we're, we're talking about as being Sinai, yeah. but it's on the Laws range. So part of Trojena is going to be on the same mountain range that, Mount Sinai, Jebel Makla is located. And then the whole region here, there's gotta be, there's gotta be so many historical artifacts that have yet to be found there. And with all this construction going in, I think that's where some of the concern is, or a lot of the concern is. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, tell us a little bit, Nathan, about, uh, I mean, just how innovative this is, if that's the right terminology. I mean, in terms of what they're actually trying to do, because I know when I brought this up to you, you're like, have you heard about Neom? And I'm like, I've not met anybody else from Ohio that <laughs> has heard about Neom. And then you started telling me all this stuff that they're doing. You can see video of it now, but it's like, what are they doing? All right. So first off, it's a really cool project uh, in renderings, right? Um, <laughs> do they have the ability to pull this off? I don't know. But if they do, they're going to change the face of the Looks like they're lobbing nukes in that part of the video. What, right? <laughs> what, this, what, the Saudis goal, what the Saudis' goal with this is, is like, you know, they've primarily been – you know, they've, they've been one of the top dogs in the energy sector for as long as since the day that they found black crap coming out of the ground. Right. Yeah. So that changed their entire country right there. And so they've been a leader of the energy sector, but they're tired of being like, let's say, you know, 
that being their only trick. You know, that's their one dog trick, right? Everything yeah. else past that is mostly negative about Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, the treatment of women and just, you know, all the bad things that happens out there. So they've been trying to change their worldwide persona to more technology, more innovation. Okay. Uh, you know, a hub of the business world. So, that, you know, this, this region that they're doing, it's like, it's an eight-hour flight. This is part of the thing they're marketing. It's an eight-hour flight for seventy percent of the world. So they're trying—they're trying to take what Dubai has done, what Abu Dhabi has done, and they're trying to put their own spin on it for Saudi Arabia. Uh, but they're trying to change the future of human living and human existence. Wow! So they're just trying to take humans to a next level by doing this. Now, it's really cool when you watch the videos and you're like, "Oh, that looks really neat." But yeah, like, yeah. the concerns behind it are immense. Yeah. And, and what are some of those other concerns? I mean, what right, would you I, say? I got some notes here. Let me just run through the notes. Okay, but. The things that people are talking about is number one, just the dangers of construction. You know, you're built. You're, I mean, you're you're affecting potentially all these you know historical sites that yeah, you yeah, guys are talking yeah. about. But past that, I don't know what the what the weather is out there. You know, like yeah. I think on average it's like 140 degrees during the day. Like I, there's there's a it's hot. I mean, there's a lot of videos online just talking about how people will die by the tens of thousands just by doing this construction. Really, heat exhaustion alone. Um, I mean, they are building this mega city in the middle of the desert. You already saw the uh, the new roads coming. Um, this is a funny thing about the you know the financing side of this thing. They're saying it's going to cost. Uh, yeah, how, where are they getting? I, I know that the Saudis are rich, but like, where are they getting all? I mean, you're talking about an insane amount of money. All right, so here's something interesting that I found about this is. Somebody did, you know, a cost estimate of what it would cost to build the Empire State Building. This yeah. this thing is as tall as the Empire State Building, but then 105 miles long. Holy cow! So how many Empire State Buildings fit in a 105 mile long line? I'm not sure. I don't have the answer to that one, but it's going to cost 600 million to build one Empire State Building. Yeah, that only gives them what 100. Well, I don't know. I, you have to fact check my math there, math there real quick, but that does not give them that many. Empire State Buildings to build in 105 miles long. And this is supposed to be the budget for all three. Well, the, the cost areas. of building one Empire State Building is probably enormous. I 600 mean, million. How, how do you what they say? <laughs> like, I mean, I, could the United States even pull something like this off? But they're doing it. I mean, you could see there. You could see the construction. I was there. I mean, they're they're doing it. Logan, you were there. You could see it. See pictures of it. There's there. It seems like they're moving forward with it, right? At, at the end of the oh, sorry, go ahead, Logan. No, no, I, I don't I don't have much to add to that. I was just going to say it does seem like they're moving forward with it. I was talking with Andrew and Lucas who were out there and Lucas told me in three weeks he was he was really was like it was crazy how much progress they had made just on the roads by the Split Rock area and by Jebel Makla. Yeah, I, when we were at the Split Rock, Andrew uh, took it upon himself. We actually get a little ride around the Split Rock from a couple of the utility guys that were working there in their pickup truck. And, and of course, he said uh, he's like, he's like, hey, you guys are paving roads here, huh? And and uh, and we saw markers all the way out. You got to drive through the wilderness to get the split rock for half an hour from the first main road through the wilderness. And there were markers the whole way. You know, you could tell they're planning on doing something. And these guys th that actually picked us up at the split rock, they're like, yeah, this will all be paved in a month. It might be paved now for all I know. I mean, because that's what the guy told us. He's like, no, this will be, this will be done in a few weeks, paved. So, you know, like... Uh, and that's a, how might that affect? I mean, it, how might that affect these sites? Okay, big deal. They're paving roads, Logan. They're paving roads out there. Like, how mm -hmm. might it, what's what's that going to do? How's it going to affect the Split Rock? How's it going to affect Sinai? Are they going to blow in, up Sinai? I mean, what's what's going on? <laughs> no. So I have a couple of thoughts on that. So 
with the paving of roads, something that you said, and this is something that Ryan has said before too. When you go there, it is like you step back in time to the time of the Exodus. Yeah, yeah. And if if you have all this construction and roads being paved back there, it might be nice for easy access, but it totally changes the lay of the land, and you don't feel like you're stepping back 3,500 years ago to the time Moses and the Israelites walked in these areas. Ryan's big concern, and this is something he's talked about before, is he doesn't want it to turn into a situation like Egypt where you have the pyramids and then you have all this modern construction. We, just not We stayed far. at one of those hotels looking at the, yeah. <laughs> that are in the yeah. pictures. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> like it's, it's going to make the access to these incredibly easy and it will ruin the integrity yeah. of what this thing is, you know, currently mm -hmm. is that good or bad? I mean, who are we to say yeah. it could give, you know, new light to these historical sites if they're preserved Hopefully. correctly and yeah. let, let more people see them that, that don't have the ability. I think that would be my hope, you know, that they, they do something like that. But I mean, like, I know, I know Andrew mentioned, maybe you start to see graffiti on something. I know that we actually took one of the rocks that people look at when they're there that has the soles of the feet on it, and we moved it. Um, Logan's like, oh my gosh, you moved it. We moved it out of the way of where the road was going to be because it looked like it was in the middle of one of the road markers. So we moved it over a few feet. And uh, I remember I, I told Ryan about that at the base of the mountain. I'm like, just in case your, your tour group's looking for it. Like we moved, <laughs> we moved this rock because we, we thought, well, maybe they'll be building a road and they'll just pave over this incredible, you know, archaeological site because you see lots of petroglyphs while you're there. Maybe some of that stuff... I don't know. I mean, I just, we really don't know. I mean, certainly, you know, Nathan, you mentioned different concerns about people, you know, lives lost, things like that, people dying. I mean, sure, there, there could be some of these, it could have an effect on the, the way some of these things are viewed. Maybe there's graffiti, maybe they pave over, you know, some, some of the historical parts of it. I mean, who knows? But like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, just, just in general, I mean, I think it's, it's just going to be really interesting to see how some of this stuff actually shapes itself out in the, uh, in the coming months and years. So, um, so Nathan, you're kind of a, you're a real estate guy and you were just kind of, uh, I don't know, you were oogling. Is that the right terminology over, yeah, over googling. Ne Neom? Yeah. You were googling. Yeah. Okay. But you were oogling a little bit too. Yeah. 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 I was ogling. Are, are you, uh, is this something you'd want to get in on? I mean, would you as a, a, a real estate? Investor? Yeah. Absolutely not. I, th I think, okay, so, so here's, here's my real thoughts on this thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, first red flag out of a long line of red flags okay. is the guy that owns the construction company. Okay. Guess who that is? I don't know, Crown Prince? Mr. Crown Prince himself. Oh, okay. So okay. even if this whole project completely falls apart, which I think it's a very low probability that this thing comes to fruition. Really? If it does, great. I mean, $500 billion dollars. I don't think that'll get them one building. And it's supposed to I was going to say, I question whether this can happen for $500 billion. I mean, like, I'm like, I don't, I'm just throwing out a number, but we print money like be, that out over here every day. This <laughs> is, I expect this to be in the double digit trillion budget by yeah. the end of it. Because one thing I've learned about the Saudis through my research is once they like, you know, they have an idea, then they like to go big, then they yeah. like to go bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's more of just like, Hey, who's got the biggest thing in the room competition at some point? Because he, like this guy, he's looking at Abu Dhabi. Yeah. He's looking at yeah. Dubai and he's like, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to win, which is not the right motivation when doing some, a project of this size. But yeah. at the end of the day, even if the entire project falls apart, he's going to become even filthier rich through this entire process and right. bail out in his golden parachute and then potentially leave this entire region wow. half 
whatever, wherever they get really? to. I, you know, what's funny is I just really never thought about it like that. I mean, I, like, yeah, maybe it just doesn't happen. You know, I saw, I, interested. it looks like they're moving forward with it when you're there and you see all the construction. Now, look at other yeah. projects that have gone on in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. The half projects that have not been finished. This is not, the, this is, this is an old game. You know, really? you, you can, you know, you've got some real estate developer that's got this island down in the Caribbean and yeah. they're, they're going to build this amazing, amazing hotel. They raise all this money and then they get to framing and the whole project's done and you can't find the guy. Yeah. Uh, Logan, what are your thoughts on some of this, man, as you're hearing about it? Yeah, the, you know, I, I think Nathan's making some really good points because it's like, does with, with what the, what, with what the hopes and goals of this are, is it even financially feasible for it to take place and to happen? And, you know, just the massive scale of the production yeah. and the construction that's going to go on here, is it physically possible to do? Um, especially in the time frame they want to do it. So I think Nathan's making some really good points with that. And that's something that we've kind of wondered a little bit about too, is, is it going to happen? It looks like they're, like you said, AJ, it looks like they are moving forward on things, but is it possible to, to, to fully have fully realized or not? Yeah. And so that's something that I go back and forth on and we've kind of debated about and, and thought about amongst the, the, the Exodus Explorer crowd. Um, <laughs> I think I'm a part of that now. I'm like officially oh, yes, a part of the crowd. You're a part of the club, oh, man. Sweet. <laughs> Rocks from the top of the Yeah. I love it. Right here, baby. So, right here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's it. Yeah, I, I guess I haven't really thought about, you know, just the fact that it 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 might not happen. I questioned, you know, how how can they do this? I mean, even in that part of the world, there's nothing. There is nothing. There isn't a city that they're connecting this to, right? I mean, they're literally yeah. this is proposed to be like literally built in the middle of nowhere. And then you're talking about the amount of money it took them here in the United States, the richest country in the world. It, it took them over a decade to build the new world trade center, which we don't call the world trade center anymore. I don't think we do. Do we call it that Nathan? Well, technically there's no world trade center. So, yeah. So I, it took us over a decade to, I mean the scale, like, so I don't know, man. I mean, Nathan, maybe I'm with you, man. I just don't know if I see this thing really happening even, now even that I now that I process it. They built it in the middle of New York City. Now there's 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 challenges in that, of course. You know, yeah. doing a major construction project with the most infilled place in the entire world, right? Um, well, outside of Tokyo, but they're building this in the middle of the desert. You know, yeah, they, they got to build roads. They got to build the infrastructure. Plumbing. They got yeah. You got to have like, all kinds of stuff. You know, the, even electricity. They're you know, it's going to, it's going to be all self, self-sufficient. So, I mean, it's, it, they're going to have, they're going to have wind power. They're going to have solar power. You know, the entire, say. the entire mirror glass <laughs> facade of yeah. this thing is like, is energy consuming itself, yeah. collecting itself. But, you know, they're talking about making these, these subway systems, right? You know, you can get from 105 miles in 20 minutes, okay. you know, one end to the other in 20 minutes. That's 315 miles per hour. Like that's, that's pretty quick. Yeah. But what happens when one part of that track goes down or, half a million people late to work like they're, 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 I, I was just looking at this thing going like the way they're talking about it you know i'm looking at this and i'm like uh okay they have this it looks nice on paper like you said like the you know little thing that they make the graphics that they make is amazing it's got glass and so okay it's solar powered it's wind powered they're trying to preserve the integrity of the wilderness where even if you're looking at it you're looking at reflected glass it doesn't look like a city yeah. let's say you're traveling in the wilderness but if you how many people are they talking about nine living? Million. Nine, it's nine, nine million. Nine million people. Every time I've looked into it. So if nine million people are living here, they're never going to venture outside of the glass. So they're only going to live there. And and what I'm the point I'm getting at is, 
it's going to leave a mess no matter what you do outside of the glass. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not a builder. I'm not a developer. I'm they're going to have to have the most futuristic waste management systems. I mean, they're they're going to have vertical farms in this thing. Okay, I imagine it's going to be mostly like a plant based society, uh, unless they're unless they're eating like cultured meat in there, like <laughs> the new meat that's you know you know you're not shipping. Maybe in, they'll be smoking much of weed. Maybe <laughs> uh, I mean you're not shipping in cattle to feed nine million people a day. Yeah, you know, so there's there's just all these ecological concerns that are weird. But then, furthermore, even the population itself, yes, it's built for nine million people, right? Yeah. What if you only have six million, or what if you end up having yeah, eleven million? Convince people to go there. It's you're like either, you're either going to have yeah, you, unless you have your perfect. Are, are they recruiting people? How are they? they how are they doing that? Be. I mean, they're they're going to have to be eventually. Yeah. They're going to have to be offering tax incentives. But how do you do? Oh, I see tax incentives. To, and they want to populate it with uh, with Saudis, I'm, I'm imagining? Or what's, I think what's they the goal want to there? be a worldwide hub. So here's the thing. It's not going – it's going to be governed – it's going to be under Saudi control, but it's going to be its own government. Okay. Because it's these – you know, it's basically three different large cities and two major airports. Yeah. So they're going to have their own laws and things because it's going to be completely different than anything else. Okay. But under Saudi control. Um, what was the point I was getting at? I might have lost it. I probably did. Yeah, it's all good, man. It, it happens to me. You're getting about that age, you know. But it's it's a lot of uh, you know. It's just really fascinating. I, the whole thing that they're planning to do here is just amazing. Of course, the the immediate concern I think for a lot of people and Logan, you know where I'm coming from too, because when I first started hearing about these sites, I, I, I was watching a video I think by Joel Richardson or somebody. It was just a short video that he'd shot on location there. I think he was either on Sinai or at Elijah's cave. I can't remember which. But he was immediately talking about praying for just the integrity of the location that it's maintained. And I think that's kind of the bottom line is it's interesting to talk all this stuff about, you know, how, why and how they're doing what they're planning to do. But, you know, for us, the bottom line is like, and, and what we're telling our audience to do is really pray for the integrity of this site. I mean, there's lots of petroglyphs that may be thousands of years old. You see the, the uh, if you go to the altar of the golden calf, which is just at the base of Sinai there, you've got this beautiful view of Sinai, which for me was like one of the most impactful things. I, I, we did that on the last day we were there. And I, I was just looking to check it off the list. But when I got to the altar of the golden calf and I looked up and I saw Sinai and I could see Elijah's cave, and I'm like, they could see from here. They could see, you see the blackened peak of Sinai, clear as day. They could see God's presence on the mountain and they're still doing all their business. They're doing what they're doing. And it was just mind boggling to me. I, I would say, to be honest, that was one of the most impactful, possibly the most impactful moment I had on the whole Saudi Egypt thing. Maybe the whole trip was the altar of the golden calf and looking up and seeing Sinai. Cause it gave me a window into what was going down three and a half thousand years ago. They're sitting there building a, a calf, an idol, looking up at God's presence on the mountain, maybe assuming God, you know, God swallowed Moses up in the fire. I don't know. But, you know, just, just absolutely impactful. And we're just talking about, you know, lots of this stuff can be damaged. It can be, uh, we're, just, we're just praying for God to uh, preserve a lot of this stuff. So any parting thoughts, guys? I think we covered a lot of ground there. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, after, after looking into this, you know, as deep as I have at this point, I, I just, I don't know if this is, how do I say like a move against God? Because just yeah. picking this region itself is very is is strange to do this big 
future altering thing. Maybe it that's is, why yeah, they chose totally, it. Totally, yeah. You know, with a, hey, let's build it on this, you know, biblically historic site to see yeah. if we can change the world because I, I, I very much question the Saudis' motives. Well, and that's what I, as well, is something that a lot of people have talked about is the fact that you have basically, if, if this is true, that this is Mount Sinai, it's a Jewish claim, an, an Israeli claim, potentially. I don't, I don't think this is the way it, it's going to work out. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Logan, but like, a an Israeli claim to Arab land, so to speak. Does that make any sense? Yeah, there's 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 people who definitely believe that. There's there's Arab people who definitely believe that. I I don't remember. Maybe Ryan might have shared this with you. But when his short film Finding the Mountain of Moses was released, yeah. it was actually it was actually attacked by a couple of terrorist groups. There were groups that were linked to the Iranian regime, and there were groups that were linked to the Houthis in Yemen who Holy attacked cow. his who attacked his film. And one of the groups, I forget which it was said, Oh no, we know that this is Mount Sinai, but this is a Jewish plot, an American Jewish plot to lay claim to this land. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of a weird mixture. There is you have, I'm not sure what the Saudi royalty, their, their full beliefs on this are where they stand on it, but you have locals out there who are, who are actually proud and say that, you know, there's traditions about Moses who they call Musa. And so they're proud of the heritage here, and it's it's part of their traditions as well. But then you have people that are, I don't think, don't like it at all. Yeah. Because they believe that very thing that we're talking about right now, and they they take it to heart. And there's, Ryan had shared, I, found, I learned from Ryan that there's a is Islamic belief, a certain Islamic belief that a site, even if it's a holy site, becomes too venerated, it has to be destroyed. And, you know, there's a long history of that holy kind of stuff cow. happening. Holy cow. So there, wow. you have this mixture. You have a mixture of Saudis who are proud of the heritage of Moses being there, yeah. and then you have others who are very aggressive towards any idea of any Israelite connection whatsoever. Yeah, I have yeah. A quick follow-up question on that because what was that group you said? The Hawi what? Hawiwis? Oh, the Houthis. The Houthis. <laughs> the Houthis. All right. So when I was when I was looking into this, so there's already a group of people that are in this region, and they're being forced to to get out. Um, so, and I mean, on a video that I watched, they're being harassed, they're being forcefully displaced and others have been, have been abducted. And so I don't know, you know, the, the, you know, the validity of this video, but genocide was thrown out in that video, how they're trying to displace these. They were called Al-Huatat, H-U-W-A-I-T-A-T, Al-Huatat. And they're just pushing them out. Apparently that means is the indigenous people who are in this area and they're being forcefully displaced. Hmm. So to the point of abductions. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Wow. I mean, I'm sure uh, we'd never imagine anything like that happening in the, the Middle East. <laughs> well, one of the, so I watched a protagonist video on this and the guy was just like, you know, he, he was kind of beating this thing apart. He's like, first yeah. of all, there's a reason why cities aren't made in a line. It doesn't make sense. And he's like, and then the first time you share something about women's rights on, um, yeah. you know, on social media, you'll be picked up in your helicopter to be delivered to your beheading. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff going on there with this and I probably, honestly, a lot more we could, uh, we could talk about, but, um, uh, Logan, uh, thank you for joining us. Nathan, thank you as well, my friend. So great to have you in studio with us. Uh, any parting words there while you're Skyping with us from Chicago, Illinois? Chicago? Are you by Chicago or no? Just I'm, I'm a couple, 
I'm a couple hours south of Chicago, but Illinois. Okay. Yep, Illinois. Okay. I'm just I'm just grateful to to be able to connect with you guys and just thank you, AJ and Nathan, for this opportunity to get together and and talk about these things. I think it's really fun and also important conversations. So thank you guys. Yeah, amen. I I did. I was in Chicago with Jake a couple of years ago after our uh, actually. I don't know if you were were you in. Uh, uh, you, I think we were with you. We were with you at the at the youth camp. Um, oh yeah, that was the first place I met you. Yeah. I took my son to Chicago. It's not by Chicago, but but I took the long way home to take my son to Chicago on the way back. Uh, it was in Indi- Indiana, the youth camp. You were there in Indiana, right? When we went there, it sounds. I was on a bus. I think yeah. it was Indiana. He said, <laughs> "Just drop me off." I was like, just a take bunch me of youth place. teenagers. And uh, my my cab driver, um, he was an Uber driver. He he stopped. He dropped me off at the at the Bean in the center of town. There, the big silver Bean, mirror mirror Bean, and. He came back like half hour later. I left my son with some cops so I could go get my luggage. And while I came, while I was gone, my son tells me, you know, that the cops were like apparently bantering with people and the, they were saying, Hey, I'm going to kill you to the cops and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I leave my, and they're like, yeah, you're the one running, you know? And he, he tells me all this stuff. Well, finally our Uber driver shows up after he dropped us off and supposedly was just going around the block while I got my luggage out of the car and left my son with some cops and he got pepper sprayed. <laughs> His shirt was soaking wet. It was actually in the news and everything. It was like in the in the media. I looked it up later. Some lady like went around pepper spraying people, and he jumped out of the car and he was like foreign. Obviously, he's like, "She tased me. She tased me." And I, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, "Well, his shirt's soaking wet, so he must mean pepper sprayed. She pepper sprayed me." <laughs> so we hear him on the phone with the police officer, you know, like uh, on on the way to the hotel. And, uh, you know, so we knew that it was real. And then sure enough, when I got home, some woman, she pepper sprayed an Uber driver, a pedicab driver and, uh, a taxi, a a taxi driver or something like that, or a bus driver because they wouldn't give her a ride. So, and then then they caught her like dancing on the top of a car. But yeah, that was my trip to Chicago, Logan. I, I, I'm sorry. (laughs) I promise you we're not all like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I know you're not, I know you're not. I just, uh, that was my, that was my remembrance, but anyways, uh, great having you, my friend. So great having you. Thanks for joining us. And I did want to close with a word of prayer because, uh, if you're listening to some of this stuff for the first time and you're thinking about like, you know, visiting or seeing like one of these sites in person, you can do that. There's lots of different groups that go discovered media does groups. Uh, Andrew does, uh, Andrew Jones does them. Uh, Ryan Morrow does them, uh, with another group. You, you've also got, I think, uh, Joel Richardson takes people there as well. I know they actually tented at <laughs> outside like the Israelites did, but, uh, there's people like you, Logan, like others. Uh, if you're listening to this, that this evidence has obviously made a huge impact in their lives in terms of the truthfulness and trust, trustworthiness of the Bible. So I just want to encourage you to, to, uh, to say a prayer, say this prayer with me, um, if that's you. Lord Jesus, uh, I just want to open myself up to some of this evidence and some of these things that have been presented to see what you might show me. I'm not sure if I believe, but Lord, I'm open to believing. I don't need to have all the evidence, but I it, it, it should the Bible should show itself to be true if it indeed is. So, Lord, give me some evidence. Uh, help me to have faith. And, uh, Lord, I just open myself up to you, to uh, Lord, for you to change me and make a difference. I invite you in now, Lord. Change me in Jesus' name. Amen. 
if you did say that prayer, I really believe God is going to do something special through you. And uh, I want to invite you to join us again on this show. We talk about lots of cool things, lots of fun stuff on this podcast. Um, again, thank you so much, Nathan, for joining us. Appreciate you. And thank you, Logan. We are so excited that uh, both of you guys were able to join us here for the show today. Uh, God bless you both. And I guess having said that, we will see you next time. Peace out.